0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Good morning, good morning. I love that beautiful song. Crystal Fonesti, my friends. The opening music was by Save Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Save. This is an awesome CD. It has many spiritual songs with Native American instruments and Gregorian chanting that are unlike anything you've ever heard. If you want to order your own copy, contact and They're on Facebook, and they also do live shows. You can listen to them on YouTube, and you you can get your CD at Amazon, And you can listen to free on YouTube. And uh, let's see, and I've got my CD on Amazon, so I want to tell you. Anyway, I want to wish everybody a very, very happy day and uh, uh, many blessings. And let's see, I'm your host and uh, Reverend Sean McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to provide a a tenant and open platform that Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the rivalry, Study Bible, and you may use any Bible you wish. I've had many spiritual experiences and ingratitude. We have ongoing Bible readings and discussions every Sunday. And as, you know, our spiritual experiences are sometimes talked about and things like that. And we'll have ongoing Bible readings, and uh, that's what we're doing here every Sunday. I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me. The call-in number, if you have any special requests during this hour, is 619-924-9744. And Sacred Sundays airs every Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Now let's get to our opening prayer. Let's say together, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide. Their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. And those whose lives are taken for disturbed or evil reasons, and they have become martyrs, that's what we believe. We pray for all those suffering from violence here at home and abroad. We pray for those who are sick in mind and body and those who are lonely and uncomforted. Please forgive us, God, for our sins. We pray for the suffering from domestic violence in their own homes and freedom from addiction from all kinds. Please, God, send your mighty mighty Archangel Michael to fight against evil and protect all of us with all of your angels to watch over everyone. Our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers, that they have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all the countries and for problems from all over the world and all the suffering worldwide. Thank you, God, for hearing us. And we ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care. And we keep everybody and their families in our prayers. Amen. A happy birthday to everybody, and uh, there's just a couple people out there uh, that I know of. And happy birthday, Mary and John. And also, tomorrow is my birthday, so happy birthday to me. And I wish everybody, including myself, a happy, blessed, and prosperous year ahead. And if you wish me to announce anybody's birthday or a special announcement, just let me know. Okay, so let's see. If you don't have a Bible there at home... Uh, just go to www.biblegateway.com or my favorite www.biblia.com and you can do a Bible concordance there. And um, there's no excuse not to have a Bible either in your house, or you can find it online, or something like that. So we do have. Uh, let's see. We can do our readings from uh, this. This uh, this Sunday will be uh 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and it's concerning uh, public worship and how you're supposed to conduct yourself uh in the public and uh that's what that's what the main uh, focus is this morning on our reading and let's get back to uh let me see Shmoop, to read our notes from last week and uh Let's see, it'll take me a minute to get it up here. I had it, and then I I minimized it, and I lost it. So hang in with me. So uh, if you want to go read all the notes and everything else that are available, go to www.shmoop.com, and you'll find all kinds of things, not only all Christian topics and everything, but also Shakespeare, math, and stuff like that. So they're real helpers uh, when it comes to... uh, Breaking down information and giving you the summary, explaining what it's all about. And uh, anyway, so we're going to go read. Let's see. Just hold on one second. Be patient. I thought I was already and prepared, and then it looks like I'm not as prepared as I thought I was. Okay, so here we go. First Corinthians chapter ten. I'm going to be reading the notes from that and explain just what we were talking about last week. you are almost there. Okay, First Corinthians, chapter ten. This is the summary, and uh, it's in a very funny style. That's uh oh, please. Okay, let's do it this way. Okay, so remember, it was about being selfish. So, way back to Exodus, God had not a lot of great things in the olden days. Just check out Exodus for some examples. He led people out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea and gave them manna and water in the desert. God is pretty awesome like that. And how did they repay him? By sinning their backsides off. They did weird sexual things. They tested God. They complained and billiaged constantly. They bowed down in front of idols, and God took it to them. Jeez. All this happened as a warning. Do not try this stuff with God. It never works out so well. Demonic Meals. Let's go back to food for a minute. When Christians come together and share bread and wine, they're signaling a special relationship with God. The same is true for Jews who eat kosher meat sacrifice in the temple. And even though you're not forming any kind of special relationships with Roman gods when you eat their idolatrous meats, you might accidentally be making friends with demons. Wait, what? Okay, so the Roman gods don't exist, right? They're not actually gods, but they're demons. And so when you chow down on some food and drink with their, in their temples, you're sort of throwing your head in with them. That's scary. Paul just doesn't think it sounds like a good idea. One day, you're drinking the blood of Christ. The next day, you're drinking some demon's cup. Yuck. In other words, there is no, just say no to pagan meals. Don't be so selfish. Man, that's another thing. Stop being so selfish. The selfishness is the center of all kinds of evil things. Okay, so the Corinthians still think that this edemon, ed- eating demon meat thing is no big deal. And if non-believing friend is at a party at a shrine, wouldn't it be rude not to attend? Paul says that just because something is allowed doesn't mean it's a good idea. Paul is starting to sound like a dad again. Yes, you might as an individual might be fine eating this sacrificial food. But it's also mighty, might tick some Christians off. That's right, selfish Solomons. You need to think of some other people's feelings too. If you're truly trying to make God happy with your actions, they're not going to do things that hurt your fellow Christians, right? Now go to your room and think about what you've done. So thank you, Shmoop, for your summary. And it always makes me laugh because they talk to us just about the way we really are. Very selfish, childish, and anyway. So, uh, just be mindful that if you throw in your hat with the demons, uh, you're actually partying with them. So, uh, watch what you're doing. Anyway, uh, okay. Now we're on chapter 11, so get your Bibles out because we're reading straight from the Bible. And as you know, I read from the Ryrie Stressed Study Bible. And that's because this I found my initial robbery study Bible in the trash. And that Bible changed my life. I wore it out by writing and reading and reading. And now I'm on my new one, second one. And so this is the one that I do for the Sunday morning service. So, chapter 11, the imitators of me, just as I am of Christ. Discussion concerning public worship. And the veiling of women. Now, I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man and that the man is the head of a woman and that God is the head of Christ. Every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head. But every woman who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head. For she is one and the same as the woman whose head is shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, but also have her hair cut off, but if it's a disgraceful thing for this woman to have her hair cut off and her head shaved, let her cover her head up. For a man might not ought to have his head covered, since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. For man does not originate from woman, but woman from man, and indeed... Man was not created for woman's sake, but for woman for man's sake. Therefore, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of these angels. However, the Lord, neither is the woman independent of man, nor is the man independent of woman. For as the woman originates from the man, so also the man has his birth through the woman, and all things originate from God. Judge for yourself. It is proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered, does this not does not even nature itself teach you that a man has long hair is a dishonor to him? But if a man a woman has long hair, it's a glory to her, for her hair is given to her as a covering. But if one is inclined to be contentious, we have no other practice, nor do we have the churches have God, the Lord's Supper. But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you because you have come together, not for the better, but for the worse. So at this point, I'm, I'm gathering Paul's really ad. For in the first place, when you come together in a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and I in part believe it. For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. And in your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and the one is hungry, and another one is drunk. What? Do you not have houses in which you eat and drink? Do you well do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In in this I will not praise you. For I receive from the Lord that I which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus in in the night, at which he had this betrayed, took bread, and we had given thanks he broke in and said, This is my body for which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, we took up the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, remembering on me. And for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you'll proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man who must examine himself, and in doing so he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who drink, eats and drinks eats and drinks judgment to himself. If he does not judge the body rightly, for this reason many among you are weak and sick, and a number of sleep. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord, so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when do you come together to eat? Wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that you will not come together in judgment. And remaining matters, I will arrange when I come. So I think we all understand the drift of this. You know, I don't understand part of it. Uh, this was 2,000 years ago, and of course, of course, I believe the Holy Bible. But let's uh, let's read this. This is about the woman coming up. Okay, this first belongs at okay, this two eleven three. The man is ahead of the woman. This is teaching based on Genesis three sixteen that Paul makes the basis of wearing a covering. And then five eleven, the women should be veiled or cover the meeting of the church, and men should not. Paul's reasons is based on theology, and the order of creation and the presence of angels in the meeting. None of these reasons was based on contemporary social custom. And in the light of what he says in other chapters, it's doubtful that Paul approved of these activities by women in the church. He simply acknowledges that these were unauthorized practices like shaved head, and it was a sign of disgrace. Women came upon a, from a man's body and was made for the sake of man, and the covering is a sign of man's authority over the woman because of the angel. The insubordination of an uncovered woman, signifying her refusal to authority of her husband, would offend the angels who observe the conduct of believers in their church gatherings. Men and women, I didn't know angels went to church unless. Anyway, men and women are in, interdependent, and women are not inferior to men since they give birth to everybody. The hair was given to her as a covering. This is not the same word as used in the other verses. The point here is that hair represents the proper covering of the natural realm. So the veil is the proper covering in the religious realm. And it says, no custom of women worshiping without some funnel. He said, this is the custom. When this happens, it could serve as a good purpose for distinguishing those who are faithful. When you meet together, early Christians held a love feast in connection with the Lord's Supper, during which they gathered for fellowship meals, sent and received communications from other churches, and collected money for widows and orphans. Apparently, some of the wealthier members were not sharing their food, but greedily consumed it before the poor showed up. And if the purposes of the love feast were not being realized, it's better to eat at home Let's say eleven twenty three not necessarily directly but unlikely likely to others, but nonetheless with authority. This is my body. this represents the body's blood and his body okay notes uh 1125, 1126. you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The lord's Supper is an acted sermon. Looking back on Christ's life and death, and looking forward to his second coming, okay, so eleven twenty seven talks about the unworthy manner was an unconfessed sin, this may result in judgment, even a sickness or physical death, therefore, each one is to examine himself before partaking, and then I'll take us up to twelve, which we'll read next week. You know this is difficult you know for for modern people, especially a modern woman, to read this. You know, that uh, we uh, seem to be uh, set aside from the church and all this. This is what, why people have had difficulties with uh, going to church, that they feel that the women are treated like second class or anything. But I think here Paul is saying it's a tradition to cover women, to cover their heads in church. One is really I, I don't see many churches following anymore. Uh, I do remember my mom used to wear a veil uh a, a lace, a mantilla, she used to call it, to church. And, uh, you know, it was really, really wonderful. Really, I was excited about it, I wearing that stuff. So, but anyway, but now we don't see many churches with people covering their heads anymore. 2,000 years later, uh, some churches, women wear hats and things like that, you know, and they turn into showpieces. So, I think we're just supposed to conduct ourselves. We're on church grounds around other Christians' church. We're supposed to be modest. And if we're having dinner after church, be sure to serve the poor first or those who need help first before you feed yourself. And then don't come to church and need little uh, meals or repasts as they're called. Don't come when you're really starving. I know I have waited and I've, I've gotten a little too hungry. At, uh, and then uh, you're really eating your first meal at church. It's it's uh, it's kind of a you know because some churches you fast before you go to church so anyway you're going to be hungry but anyway don't conduct just bring a snack or do something like that uh, because you can't conduct yourself by eating everything you know before others or going through the line twice without without uh, if there's plenty 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 of extra I guess you could but just supposed to conduct yourself modestly I think this whole thing is is referred to as us being modest, and we're on the church grounds, being modest and um you know wearing a little cover in your head or or you know be a, just a blessing and then of course, we wear many different hairstyles now, and uh you not might to say what people are gonna wear or not wear or whatever you know, but um here this is the way it was, so that was tradition and um, I'm sure that God and Jesus and every every other thing are worried about more important things. Because so the underlying message here is: don't be selfish, don't be self-centered, be modest when you're uh, when you're with these Christian people. Don't be a stumbling block. Don't hurt others and don't cause an offense to yourself. You know, don't embarrass yourself. And uh, I think this is true and, and just polite and in many and in many different ways. We only have like five minutes, so let me see if I can. I'm going to read you a couple of things. And my best friend, she gave me this book. It's called The Promise Book for the Tough Times. And let's just read a couple of little prayers over here. He it says, um, let me look. It says, For those who wonder how God's presence touches your life, and this is the prayer that goes with it You go before me and follow me, your place. You place your hand of blessing upon my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from it. I'm sorry for that mix-up. Uh, what has happened is that uh, um, I have a new phone, and I, I don't know how to deal with it. So <laughs> I'm going to have to put it on speakerphone. I hope you can hear me okay. Anyway, uh, let's, uh, let's read a couple prayers. And uh, when it, if this is when, when you wonder if your pain will ever go away. I'll be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love, for you have seen my troubles, and you care about the anguish of my soul. And says so our present problems are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us the glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. And then the kindness of God calls you to share in his eternal glory by the means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. And that is, of course, First Peter 5.10. And then God will wipe away every tear from your eye, and there will be no more death, sorrow, or crying, or pain. All these things will be gone forever. And we're going to be looking forward to reading that in Revelations 21.4. That's in our future. And um, anyway, we're going to thank you for listening this morning. Sorry for the slight technical glitch. Uh, I appreciate everybody that tunes in. And uh, you're just uh, just awesome people and that follow me before and after. And um, just keep praying, people. That's all I can say. Don't ever give up. I know people are more stressed, it seems like, now than ever in history. And um, just hang in there. Don't ever give up. Know that there's a better life ahead. And we just have to do this life and do the best we can. And we will, um, you know, we'll just have to keep stressing forward. And and we're, we're sick, we can't give up even if we're sick or we're tired or anything else. And uh, I wish everybody the best. And let's say our closing prayer that we usually say. After a moment of silent meditation for those who are out there still suffering, let's say together, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. I want to thank you so much for tuning in this morning. We'll be back next week. We'll be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And God bless you and keep you. And, uh, I wish in every way your happiness and your increasing health and wealth and well-being and your love and our Christ Jesus. Amen. Bye-bye.